all together now. One, two, three. Look at that. Dear friends, my beautiful disruptor is my closest inner circle. We could all use a moment of normalcy, and so you are cordially invited for a long weekend on my private island. Where we will celebrate the bonds that connect us, and I hope your puzzle-solving skills are whetted. <gasps> because you will also be competing to solve the mystery <laughs> of my murder. Travel details to come. Please forward any dietary restrictions. Love and all my kisses, Miles. Ma, where's my spear gun? I got a pack. Babe, get packed. What's that? I don't know. So I normally don't do episode introductions. I just like the idea that the episodes are literally us just talking and then we talk about what we plan on talking about. But I guess I'll set up the episode in this kind of way because we wanted to talk about Glass Onion and it's difficult to talk about a movie that is highly uh, spoilable, if that's Mm -hmm. even a word. And I kind of want to talk about how we're not going to get into spoilers unless we like have to, but let's just kind of talk about how fucking weird it is that Netflix blew the layup of at least having a two to three week run or even opening it in thousands of theaters. They keep doing this. It's bad. It's weird. They did the same thing with Wendell and Wild, which I know you won't see because you're racist against animation and that's fine, but they did the same Boys. thing where it was in theaters just long enough to get an Oscar nomination and nothing else. Yeah. And so in this case, it was in even fewer theaters. I think it was in five theaters. Like, <laughs> And that is a PG-13 stop motion horror comedy. Yeah. It is a slam dunk. It is made for the kids who grew up on Nightmare Before Christmas and their nostalgia for it. Like, that's not going to be the most pirated goddamn thing ever. <laughs> and same thing is going to happen with Knives Out. People are not going to buy Netflix just to watch this movie. Absolutely not. No. People are going to pirate this movie. But also, I went to go see it in press, and then I went to go see it in, in the world, right? I went on Saturday yeah. night after Thanksgiving. We got the last three seats. Nice. It is playing in several. It was playing in several theaters around me. But then I had to tell people, oh, you haven't gone gone to see it yet? Well, it's leaving theaters on Wednesday. So get after <laughs> it, friends. Yeah. So they apparently they only showed it in 700 theaters. It's like, that's so, so ridiculous. If, if I were someone with an executive producer credit on that movie, I would be mad. Yeah. Because most of those people get paid in money the movie makes. Yeah. 
So unless Netflix is like, we're going to make Y amount of money or we're going to pay you Y amount of money, I'd be big mad. I read that Netflix paid for the rights of the two sequels, so Glass Onion and then whatever the third movie is, $469 million. And why not put that out in theaters to recoup some of that? Because like, <laughs> they think that they will recoup it in subscriptions. Which, no. <laughs> Absolutely no. <laughs> Man. You know, funny thing, I but saw also, it twice. But also, I did too. But also, like, I'm not trying to be an asshole here. But you know what I like to do on, like, the 26th with my parents? Go to the fucking movies! Oh, touche. <laughs> like, it's nice. We go in our comfy clothes that we just opened that morning, or the morning before, and we <laughs> go to the movies together. Yeah. And you know what would be cool? What's that? If there was a movie in theaters we all wanted to see! <laughs> and that is actually the best thing about Glass Onion or, or the original Knives Out. It really did cross a lot of barriers. Like, yeah, a lot and, of people like that fucking movie. Yeah, and, and the thing that it, I think is really interesting about it is, he, like, my dad did not really like Knives Out. He thought it was all right, but this one is different enough that I could definitely be like, no, I think you might like this one. It's different enough that I think it'll scratch all the parts of your brain that you didn't like about the first one. Yeah. While still feeling like a piece, you know? Yeah. So I think there's even more opportunities for people to enjoy this movie. And the idea of releasing it at Thanksgiving so the people who are with their family for Thanksgiving can see it. And then most theaters would keep it in at least until Christmas, probably till New Year's or a little later. It wouldn't surprise me if that movie came out Thanksgiving weekend and was the top Thanksgiving weekend and then was the top Christmas week again. Yeah. And they instead just, like, shot themselves in the foot and are like, well, people are going to want to stay home. You know what's nice? You know I love my parents. I adore them. They're they're some of my favorite people. But you know what's nice? Having a family activity that you can do that doesn't involve talking to them when you're home for the holidays. <laughs> Get a nice two-hour window. Complete silence. And then you have something to talk about afterwards. Yes. That isn't like Uncle Jimothy's drinking problem. Even though that needs to be eventually addressed, but yes. But, like, if you're at home watching it, your mom is going to be on Facebook, and mm. your dad is going to fall asleep in his chair, and, you know, you're maybe going to get through it without checking your phone, but let's be honest, you fucking aren't. And then nope. you're going to miss something, and maybe you rewatch it, or maybe you're using your parents' Netflix, and you're going to pirate it again. But also, at the risk of sounding very like uninformed eyeballs on Netflix do not directly translate to money. Yeah. Cause I already have friends who are sending out Facebook invitations for their 40 person knives out watch parties where they are basically <laughs> setting up movie theaters in their own living rooms. So multiple people don't have to pay for Netflix. Yeah. And this is a movie that you want to enjoy with other people. When I saw it for press, there were like 10 people in there with us. Wasn't yeah. a huge number of people in a full-size theater. I think you could have a nice time watching it by yourself as long as you are still bound by movie theater conventions. Yeah. Which but, you would not really be able to do watching it on Netflix 
with the knowledge you could rewatch it whenever. Yeah, and I was I was telling a friend that also because I I told them that I saw the movie twice, and they're like, "Why'd you do that? You can just wait for it to come to Netflix." But everything in my house is set up to be a distraction, <laughs> like like my phone is there, my laptop, like internet, like YouTube, like I'm never just off my phone watching a movie at home for the very most part. I've gotten a little bit better at it because I do watch a lot of stuff at home. But I have to actively go, okay, I'm turning off my ringer. I'm putting my phone on the table. I have to really, like, set myself up for success in that area. Yeah. I do it with subtitles. Like, anything that has subtitles, like, I know that I cannot multitask. I have to be in the movie. But for you English language fuckers, (laughs) the time's getting divided. It is getting divided. I watched Wendell and Wilde this past weekend, and I really liked it. I know you won't watch it, but that's fine. Well, actually, wait, you watched Mad God. I did? See? You don't give me credit, Kat. I think you would like Wendell and Wilde about the same amount. Okay. I also would argue that stop motion is, like, kind of in a different camp than the animation you seem to not particularly like, because it does still have the very, like, tactile thing. Because you know, it is tactile stuff but yeah anyway even when you give me credit you moonwalk that shit right back i am giving you credit but i am also uh i i'm i'm debating charging me a little bit uh i'm debating (laughs) watching mad god myself right now and i made it about 15 minutes in i just went i don't know that this is this is fucking wild it is wild (laughs) i think my best part of seeing mad god was at the end when there's a guy like clapping loudly in, in, in the movie theater, and he says, This rocks, so this rules, and no one else joined him. <laughs> so, so the one thing that I'm noticing about it is that the only people who have watched it on my letterboxed are men. I mean, and the only people who have rated it higher than three and a half are white men. And I'm I like, mean. uh,. With the caveat of at least straight presenting. So I mean, I gave it. And I'm like, ah. So so, Kat, you know my you know my heart system on Letterbox. If I like a movie, I will heart it. Yeah. I gave it three stars on Letterbox, but you know I did not give it. I did not give it a heart. So, I I appreciated it. It was interesting. I don't think it stuck the landing. But I was more impressed with that guy. He fucking loved it. And to be very fair to your point, it was a straight posing white man. Yeah, I also think that it is probably good, at least in production value or aesthetics or what. Like, there is probably a lot of good there. I also just don't know. Like, I was reading some of the trigger warnings on it. Shout out to Does the Dog Die? And I was like, I don't know that I can do this. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not have recommended you to watch it. I'll, I'll definitely say that. But also, I've like noticed a bunch of the, and I, I do mean a bunch of film reviewers on TikTok being like, "You're not a real horror fan unless you've seen that." And generally, I hate that kind <laughs> of. Generally, I hate that kind of gatekeeping. But I also know that recently I've had to dial it back on my horror intake quite a lot because I've, for lack of a better term, been a little more easily triggered recently. Yeah. Which also, I'd just like to throw out there for the record, for those of you that had a hard time with Knives Out because of the vomiting side plot, there is 
some vomiting in this, but not nearly as graphic as the first one. And it only happens once. You don't see anything. You just hear. Oh, yeah, that's right. So some of my disordered eating babes who had a hard time with the last one or folks who were just vomit phobic, which honestly super valid. You're going to have a better time with this one than you did with the first one. Yeah. But that you're not a real horde, bro. If you don't haven't seen Mad God, like, let's just calm down, guys. Let's calm all the way the fuck down, please. But let's actually talk a little bit about Glass Onion. If we do spoil it, you guys will obviously you guys will hear the massive uh, spoiler alert warning. But we're gonna try to tiptoe around as best as we can. To be very honest, very direct, we both gave it four and a half stars in Letterboxd. If we saw it, we both saw it twice and it fucking smokes. Yeah. Oh, it, it eats. It it leaves no crumbs. Oh, a few <laughs> crumbs, but not many. I yeah. I think that this is maybe the most fun I've had in a theater experience. Oh yeah, of of the year. I can see that. I can see that. I'm trying to think if anything actually comes close. I wouldn't necessarily describe everything, everywhere all at once as fun, even though I appreciated the landing. But I last, think the last most fun. other fun that I had was two horror movies, actually. One was Black Phone. I was in a crowd that kept shrieking, hollering. Every scare was their favorite scare. Hilarious. And, no. Like, they were so vocal and so you know if one of those dead kids popped up there was a bunch of like "Ah!" yeah and i that was very fun for me the other one that i would throw it to is actually halloween ends because people started laughing at like bad dialogue and stuff hilarious and so hearing in a i mean like crowded crowded theater hearing oh there he fucking is when michael myers finally did something (laughs) Now that is funny. To the moon. Okay, I can appreciate that. That is a good experience. Or like uh, at one point, I think, like I think it was Corey who says that, uh, like some line that's like real dumb, and and the entire audience broke up laughing. Damn, that actually does sound like a good experience. <laughs> Everyone was desperately trying to hold it together, but. Yeah. This one was the first time where I felt like the reactions were like what the filmmaker intended. Black Phone yeah. obviously wanted you to have some little jump scare like has, right? But like that was a wild crowd. There were also a ton of people checking their phone in that theater. It was just a wild time. Oh, shit. But like <laughs> the other thing that was really fun about seeing Knives Out is I saw it in a theater and there was an eight-year-old in there. Okay. Super well-behaved and like an 85-year-old. Yeah. And like they got the same amount of enjoyment from it, but they were laughing at different things, like different things landed with different people. It's so intricately plotted and cleverly designed that it really landed. And I don't know why, but the character detail that Benoit Blanc is bad at Clue and just uh, games in general. Yeah. That was that was great. Um, what do you say? Uh, I can't do stupid stuff well, or some shit like that. It's, like it's it's a stupid game, and I can't do stupid things well. Oh my god! I Daniel Craig is so good in this fucking role. I love him so. But much also, like, is he 
is he is he a little I mean I mean I... he's a little he's a little a little he may have touched a he may have touched a tip or two in his day. You never know. I'm I'm aware that this is an audio medium, but for those of you at home, um, imagine that TikTok thing. Uh, that's a shorthand for uh, homosexual. <laughs> First of all, the costumes in this I think are amazing. I thought they were great in the last yes. one, but in this one I think they are better. I agree. So there are so many character details contained in the costumes including like down to what style of mask they wore uh, uh, yes. or didn't wear their colors were really good. So that it was very easy to tell, even if you were just kind of quickly looking at it, who is standing where, Yeah. but it wasn't as like knives outie about it where it's like, she wears pink and he wears blue and she wears green and whatever, which is also a very old money thing to do versus like the new money, whatever. But when Daniel Craig came out in his little stripy short and shirt set, <laughs> and then he got into the little pool with it. Yeah, that was great. Great moment. I love it. I want that. <laughs> I, uh, my letterbox review, I wrote, all white men just thought Justin like Benoit Block. <laughs> At least give it a shot, white guys. Give it some kind of shot or some kind of effort, please. I think that there is something very funny about Ryan Johnson making movies about how much he hates rich people that are funded by rich people and that rich people think are funny because they aren't like that. Yeah, we're not like those rich people. (laughs) It feels like he's getting away with something, even though all these rich people have signed off on it. Yeah. And that I, I really appreciate that. And yeah. I think that's part of what works about the movie is you immediately are like, yeah, fuck those rich people. Even though, like, those rich people made this movie. Yeah. I'm sure they actually borrowed the house from one of those rich people. <laughs> yeah. But you still are like, hey, 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 yeah, screw those guys. <laughs> what do they know about being the everyman? And Netflix is like, yes, correct. What do we know about being the everyman? <laughs> I'm appreciating Johnson's career so far, man. He's really giving us the shits, man. I, I I am too. I also I'm just appreciating him. I think I sent this to you, but I'm not sure. He bought and signed a bunch of milk duds to hand out to people who uh, bought yeah. tickets for the first row of the IMAX because it was what was available. And yeah. he has such, like, negative associations of being stuck in the first row of IMAX to go see the Matrix movies because being stuck in the first row sucks with a screen that big. Yeah. So trying to to make those people's day better yeah. is very funny to me. Yeah. And I was going to bring it up earlier, but him doing promo on Twitter for it, I don't think he I, – maybe I didn't follow him back then, but I don't think he did that for, like, the original Knives Out or like Star Wars or anything like that. So, well, he's he's gotten more Twitterly involved since the pandemic, as a lot of people have. But the other thing that I would add is, I feel like he had to promote this movie like an indie movie, because yeah. I watched a bunch of the trailers the other day on YouTube just to make sure I wasn't crazy. They all say December twenty third on Netflix, and then in tiny little print, and in select theaters for a week. Um. <laughs> 
Jeez. They released the character posters today. It is not in theaters anymore. <laughs> what a fumble. What a fumble. Like, I... Why? When you saw it with regular people, did your theater give out promotional posters for it? Because mine did. No. It's like the group photo. You know, uh, you know poster. who did though? Press screener did the oh, really? menu. The menu oh. press screener, which was happening at the same time, not only gave out posters, they had a tasting menu designed <laughs> to go with the film. Nice. And like a photo thing. Netflix is not trying to pay for no ass for this fucking movie or some Except shit. Except that their Oscar for your consideration kit is valued at six hundred dollars each. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, hey. I feel about this very similarly to the way that I feel about the way the weird the Aliankovic story was handled. Yeah. I feel like you are trying to lend legitimacy to your streaming platform. But you are also doing it in in the way that is kneecapping this movie's ability to make money. Yeah. Disney Plus, I, I could go on at length about the whole Disney situation, right? But I thought what they did with Encanto was pretty clever, where they had it in theaters for a month, then they put it on Disney Plus, and then they continued to run it in theaters, but now it had sing-along lyrics on the bottom. Oh, wow. So kids could go with their friends... And they would know all the songs already. <laughs> and so Disney got to release it twice and double dip on it. Yeah. But then also kids were at home being like, Mom, we can't cancel Disney Plus. I want to see Mirabelle. That to me is the right way to do it. Yeah. <sighs> if, I... if that is what we're doing. Because first of all, then it gives it time for the money to start. When it starts dipping... Then it becomes, then you start advertising again as now available on Disney Plus. Yeah. Or Netflix or Paramount Plus or whatever. But like at this point, you know, if I was looking at it, Disney Plus is $10.99 a month without ads. A movie ticket's like $11. So it's getting more than that now. Yeah. But I would probably be like, I'd, I'd, I want to see this movie. I'd, I'd buy Disney Plus for a month. Check that out. Same price seeing it in theaters. I think that makes more sense. I saw someone make the argument that if I'm paying for Netflix, I don't want to pay for a movie ticket, too. But Cool. Then you just have to wait, like, a month. Because here's what's happening right now that is driving me crazy. The theater week is over. Yeah. It is not going onto Netflix for three more weeks. <laughs> yes. So... Now they have to work extra hard to make sure people don't forget it's coming to Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Well, also having to handle the bad PR of, wait, it was in theaters. Where did it go? Or if, like, people you were traveling for Thanksgiving and they just happened to miss it, like, now they just shot out of luck. Yeah. And if they want to see it, they've got to wait a month. And I'll be honest, walking into the press screening, I got hit with spoilers from one of the press screeners earlier that day. Oh, shit. People are not keeping the lid on this thing at all. Yeah. If they were like, oh, it's an action movie and we're releasing it in theaters for a week, I'd kind of get it. But with a mystery movie? <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Where the reveals are the point. Yeah, man. 
You can't step on it. You can't fucking step what on it. What are you doing? That's why I'm saying it's in theaters for a month. At the end of that month, it becomes available on Netflix. So that way it's staying in the zeitgeist. People are still tweeting about it continuously. Because you know what's going to happen now? What's that, cat? The social media presence is going to drop off completely. Hilarious. And then they're going to drop it on December 23rd. And everyone's going to be like, oh, that. <laughs> yes, oh, that, yes. Why? I guess Netflix There's is really trying to There's a way around this. You motherfuckers, you almost had it. Okay, <laughs> sound upset. But then again, no one at Netflix asked me. Maybe they should, though. Maybe they should. I'm available for consulting. My fees are on my LinkedIn. They wanted me to write my review in time for the, the promotional run. Which I did. Okay. And so now no one's going to be writing about it when it comes out on Netflix because the press junket was <laughs> done a month and a half ago. Yeah. It's so frustrating because, like, Edward Norton honestly kind of gives a career-defining performance here, in my opinion. Mm. I think this might be my favorite thing I've ever seen him in. Mm. His career is so interesting. Yeah. But like, I, I think this is my favorite thing I've ever seen him in. This is Leslie Odom Jr.'s first major, major film release. If I were him, I'd be kind of pissed. I mean, he was in Many Saints in Newark, which that show was kind of butt. Also got a COVID release, so. Yeah. And, mm, yeah. Oh, he was in One Night in Miami, but that was, is, was that an Amazon movie? Prime yeah. movie? So. That wasn't like a theater release either, so yeah, yeah, I would be disappointed if I were him. The whole thing rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Yeah, but really quickly, who was your favorite character from Glass Onion? I always love Catherine Hahn, you know I do, but I think I, I have to give it to Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc again. Mm. I think that in this one, he stole the show but in a different way than he did in the last one. Yeah. And that is impressive. Yeah. I also think Batista gives a great performance. I think he made me laugh the most, but I, I really like the layers of Blanc's performance here. Yeah. And we also get to see like a weird, like desperation of his that we've never seen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And speaking of like the character touches on the costume, when they, uh, well, this part is not going to spoil anything. They have his character <laughs> carries a gun, and there there's a shot of his holster, and on the holster you can see "Don't tread on me." That on me. <laughs> that shit yeah. was great. Yep, <laughs> it's good. Great touch. I I want to shout out really quickly. I love the fact that Benoit Block for the second movie in a row is paired with a woman, and I love the chemistry that he has with Janelle Monet in this movie. I love their interactions in this movie. And I, I think she, I think I she think did a really she, good job. She maybe gives the most interesting performance in this movie for reasons we can't talk about. Yeah. But she's not my favorite. But I think she might be the best. Well, yeah, because we can't really... <laughs> so yeah, this is the thing. Like We, I, we can't really step on it, so I'm not going to step on it. 
but she is tasked with something that is a bit multi-layered than what the other characters have to do. And I think she does a good I think she does a good job with I the agree. balance. And I do love the conversation that they have, like when mm-hmm. it's like them too. Like yep. every conversation they have, I love it. But I, I think Benoit Blanc is my favorite character of the film in totality. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B. Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour. And it's available everywhere. Podcasts or streams. So everybody check them out. You know, The Godfather will. And it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. Would you like to do the top five for the year? Do you have ten or just five? Either I, way I have I have eight because there are a bunch of movies I want to see that I haven't seen yet. We'll get into your top eight. We'll go in reverse order. We'll save honorable mentions after we give the number one. But I'll do my ten and then uh, we'll we'll go. Yeah. My my number ten. I'm counting this for this year because it was it wasn't available in America until March. Mm-hmm. But I really liked After Yang. That was available on Showtime, and I think my favorite actor of the year, Colin Farrell, he he was really good in that movie. He really did shit in that movie. And my number nine, which it went head-to-head with Glass Onion and did not compete with it, I really like The Fablemans. I really like Spielberg's film. Michelle Williams, outside of me being a Dawson's Creek stan, she really did the shit in that movie. Yeah. And the kid that plays Spielberg, I think he did a really good job. Um, he did a really good job in carrying that. So um I, I don't I don't I'm not even sure if that's in theaters anymore. I think you have to wait for like VOD or streaming now, but it's it's showing, but it's only showing like once a day. Because it came out on Thanksgiving, and I was like, okay, well, this week's already kind of busy. I'll go next week. And then next week, it's like, do you want to cut work to watch it? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, man, like, you can't do Spielberg like that, man. That's fucking crazy. But, yeah. And that was a limited release, too. Yep. Which, yeah. Yo, 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 really quickly, before we continue with the episode, I just wanted to point out a couple of things that I didn't necessarily get to talk to Kat about, about the Fablemans, and one of the reasons that I really did like it, and one of the reasons that I think it kind of fell at the box office too, other than the limited release, the marketing of the Fablemans was more so just about the coming of age of Steven Spielberg, when it actually is a bit more than that. It's actually about his entire sort of family structure. So let me read just a piece of the review that I wrote about the Fablemans. Though some of the details aren't necessarily one-on-one to real life, the Fablemans gives an interesting insight to Spielberg's coming of age. You can infer why, especially in his earlier films, the themes of vulnerability and crack family structures are important. I feel like this is the first film that Spielberg tries to juggle complex, deep emotions from multiple perspectives and not necessarily giving you all the answers or coming to an absolute resolution. It's really the first time that he does try to give emotional depth to not only 
himself, I guess, maybe the protagonist, but also to woman characters, if you look at Spielberg's history, you can make a legitimate argument that he doesn't really do women well. I think, you know, obviously Laura Dern and Jurassic Park kind of comes to mind, but he's done way more movies than that. I would say The Color Purple is a movie that I personally like, but that is an adaptation from Alice Walker, so it's not necessarily him. But him and Tony Kushner with the Fablemans does a really good job at making the woman who's quasi playing Spielberg's mother, played by Monsieur Williams, a lot of great complex emotions. And you don't necessarily come away feeling, well, I'm not going to spoil it, <laughs> but I'll let you check it out. Back to the show. But let's do top eight. So I will concede the floor to you. What is your number eight movie of 2022 my number eight is scream oh okay i think that it is a really strong entry in the the scream franchise uh it completely reinvigorated my excitement for the series and it also fixed a lot of the problems i have with four Uh, i don't think four is as bad as i think it is but i also stand by it being my least favorite still it's just hyper violent. That's, it's just that's... really standard for the year it came out. And the thing that I like about the screams is that they're usually a little subversive. Yeah. That one's not. That's it isn't. Not. I think I would like it more if it wasn't a scream. We love, we respect Wes Craven for a career dismount. He he got it off, but but yeah, it, it, it was a horror movie. It was like a body stacked movie, but it wasn't a yeah. real like, scream movie. So my seven or do you want to do your eight? Well, we talked about this movie already at length, but I got glass onion at my yep. number eight. My number eight is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Or I'm sorry, my seven is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I, A huge I, part of the reason I put that as low as I did is because by the time I found I got to it, which was three weeks after it came out in theaters, it had been so hyped to me Yeah. that I wish I had gone in cold. Because yeah. while I think it is probably one of the best movies I saw this year... It is not one of my favorite movies I saw this year. Oh, touche. You guys listen, you can have those differing opinions, yes. My number seven, <laughs> uh, speaking of fun movie experiences, I think this actually may top Glass Onion in sense of fun, mm-hmm. but I got Top Gun Maverick at my number seven. It is in my, it is in my top. I will oh. not tell you where. All right, all right. My number six, uh, The Banshees of Annie Sharon. Again, Colin Farrell. Haven't seen it yet. Really want to. God, I love Colin Farrell. He's had a fucking year. I love Irishmen that look like they're Italian, and he just, he he Uh, checks on my boxes. How fucking hilarious. And the the costume in this, like, the costume design is, (laughs) the fits are great. (laughs) The fits are really great. And the story is really, really good. And in Bruges, fucks. Like, In Bruges and Three Billboards, which are by the same guy. Fuck. Uh, Three Billboards, I don't think they age well for me. But at the same token, I still need to see In Bruges. And I know a lot of people love that movie. So, But what is your number six? My number six is weird. Okay. Uh, All right. I I know we've talked about this one at length as well. But I did go ahead and uh, treat myself to the rewatch on that. I think it's really good. I like the layers that it is working on. Yeah. I also think that this film is a miracle of a of a film, given that it was like shot in 18 days 
They had to replace the actor playing Dr. Demento the day filming started. Jeez. And it all still works on so many levels. And it, it is a joyous movie to watch, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. My number five is Wendell and Wild by Henry Selleck. Oh, you um, really do love this movie. Okay. It is a four-star movie, but I think it is maybe one of the most interesting movies I've seen this year. Oh, why is that? It is a really cool exploration of a bunch of different stuff. And a lot of people say it feels cluttered. So I was going in expecting that. And I actually found it really didn't. I thought it was a really effective parody of a lot of the genres that existed before it. With an honestly astounding voice cast. But also, it's all the things I like about Jordan Peele movies. Yeah. He has a writer credit on it, and he's one of the voice actors in it. He's also one of the producers. And all of his hits, all the stuff that I fuck with, was hitting in this movie. Even if the whole thing was not necessarily the most perfect movie, it hit all the buttons I liked. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And the animation (laughs) style is gorge. I mean, hey, I mean, that may be enough to turn some folks and watch it. So there we go. There we go. My number five, I think the lead of this should win Best Actress and likely will. I'm going to go with Tar as my number five. Kate Blanchett is really good in that movie. Fucking Belzer from Twister, Todd Fields, gave us one of the best movies of the year. I'm still not over that fact. That's no moon! It's a space station! I know we kind of talked a little bit about it and maybe you, you know, kind of a bit standoffish on seeing it. So, you know, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not going to trigger you to oblivion. So I don't think it's necessarily mandatory watching. Well, I don't think anything is mandatory watching, but I'm going to, I'm going to get to it when it gets, it's like theatrical. They bump up how often it's showing in theaters because of the Oscar buzz. Yeah. I've kind of made my peace with that, but I also just, like, don't have two hours and 28 minutes, like, lying around (laughs) right now. Hilarious. Is it, does it feel long to me? Uh, No, I'm I'm literally talking about, like, the amount of time I have between now and Christmas that isn't already spoken for. (laughs) No, but no, but I'm asking, like, the larger question of does it feel, does it feel long? Like, if you had, like, four hours to kill, should you use two and a half of them on this movie? I think that the end piece i know we kind of talk about movies that have like multiple endings Mm -hmm. and i i would say this is a movie that has multiple endings but i don't think it deters from what the quality of the film actually is so i would say check it out and if you do have the four hours to kill i think this is a pretty decent two and a half hours to kill with it my number four movie of 2022 Mm -hmm. Going to give it up to Jordan Peele's Nope. It was a movie that it got better the second time I saw it. That is another movie that is a bit long, but I really do appreciate Jordan Peele's really trying to subvert a lot of shit. He's doing multiple genres and move. He's doing like a lot of he's he's putting a lot of ideas on his in his movies. And I think for me, I only saw Us once, and that didn't necessarily land for me, but. I was really impressed by Nope. I was very impressed by the relationship of Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya and that film was brother and sister. I think that Nope was a really great movie this year. 
It is definitely on my list, and now that it is streaming, I think I'm a little more likely to actually sit through it. Yeah. Some of the things that I heard from it hit buttons that I knew would make me a little uncomfortable to be in theater for, so I'm a, I am excited to check it out. Yeah. My number four is Glass Onion. All right, all right. I like mysteries. I think this is a good one. I like comedies when they're more smart than they are gross. I think this is a good one. Um, Yes, this is way more smart than it is gross. So, yes. My number three is Top Gun Maverick, which is also one we've talked about at length. I think that it was my favorite theater-going experience, and I was in a mostly empty theater. And the more that I think about it, the more I am happy about it. And I'm already trying to figure out if I want to go see it in its holiday re-release. Because, uh, crazy, crazy, I know. But somebody understands the value of fucking movie theaters, and it's goddamn Top Gun. If Top Gun comes out again in movie theaters, it is. I am it's, seeing. It's coming it. out for I think like the week before Christmas through at least New Year's, possibly longer. I'm gonna do that D box experience again. <laughs> I uh, I might do it for the first time. Hey. I am hey. planning. Uh, several of my friends are planning on getting biblically lit and then going to see Avatar: The Way of Water. And- oh my god. <laughs> and I'm like, is it, it was my idea. Is this how I start a cult? Everybody now, just drinks like ayahuasca and goes to see Avatar: The Way of Water. Now, if Cameron wants two billion dollars, he need to go ahead and pair up some, some, you know, some party some, favors to go along with the movie some tickets. Some strange suggestions to pair with your viewing experience. <laughs> exactly, like, fucking exactly, absolutely. So, my number three, we had an episode about this film, mm-hmm. and. You know, I think Cat kind of accused me for being a Mark, Mark the Mark, but the Batman is my number three. I absolutely fucking smokes. Now, Banshee's I'm surprised sh- it's not your number one. My bet was on it being your number one. Ah, uh, nah, I'm a I'm a bigger Mark for these other two movies. Now, Banshee's of any Sharon, that is obviously, and and after Yang is obviously the better Colin Farrell performances, but. I think overall the Batman and how many times I've like gone back to it, it really hits for me. It really fucking does. So it's on my honorable mentions list. All right. Cause all right. I did really like it. It just, it did not hit for me in the way that I wanted it to, yeah. but it still hit well. So what, what's your, what's your number two? Ooh, <laughs> a part of me wants to put this number one, but I think for me, number two, this is a really good place for me. This is a film that I didn't think I was going to I was going to see. I kind of checked out the last minute, and I'm very happy I did. I'm counting it technically for this year because it was only available in America this year. Mm-hmm. So I want to go number two, worst person in the world. Like that was a really on time film, man. Like I think it's on Hulu. Um, it is. So, I'm actually planning on watching it later this week. Okay, so it's it's one of the few things I've scraped out time for. <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Now, don't feel pressure. I gave it five stars. However, that's really because it just hit me. There's a particular character in the film that I'm not going to spoil that I really identified with. I was not as trash as this person, but I kind of understood where the character came from. And so that really registered for me. But 
after you check it out, please let me know how you how you liked it. Or or even if you didn't like it, I want to hear what your thoughts are on Worst Person. Totally. And with my swanky new letterboxed pro, uh, uh, <laughs> you can read all about it. Right. For, for those uh, of you wondering at home, I was gifted Letterbox Pro by my my wonderful co-host. <laughs> uh, and it's already worth it for me because I don't have to look at ads. Yes. Yeah. The ads on those ads are wild. Yeah. Anyway, my number two is Moon Age Daydream. Oh. This is to date the only five star movie for me this year. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just because I had a very positive experience with it. It was great. Um, it was great. And it, in a lot of ways, redefined what I like about or like what I expect about films. Yeah. And that, to me, is deserving of that such a high placement. Yeah. I gave Moon Age Dream four and a half. So it really hit for me. But your number one film of uh, My number one is also going to fall into that beautiful, beautiful mold of thing that was not available in america until this year even though it technically came out last year i'm giving it to petite maman oh nice nice i turned my phone off and watched on hulu the other night and i thought it was beautiful i thought the amount of stuff it did in the runtime it had was amazing i thought the kids were wonderful yes and and it had the perfect amount of stakes for eight-year-old girls yeah. And it had a bunch of lines that really hit for me. And the the conversation, especially at the end, contains the line, you didn't invent my sadness, ah. is the translation of the line. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. We, we, we both gave that four and a half stars, so. The hits were really hitting on that one. Yeah. So it's, it's on Hulu? Yep. So is Portrait uh, of a Lady on Fire still. Oh, I mean. Talk about directors that are doing the sh- shits. This French woman, I can't pronounce your last name. I That's okay. Your first name, Celine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's really doing the shits, man. She's well, really one of the things it. that I think is really interesting about what she's doing, and it's upset that this is kind of still revolutionary, but whatever. She is consistently redefining femininity in film. Mm. And I would argue that at their root, even though like this is a movie about little girls, it is a movie about little girls. Who are already grappling with tropes of femininity. Mm. All of her films are about women trying to figure out how to be women. Yeah. As adults or children or somewhere in the middle. And I also, I really, really loved the dad in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I have not heard anybody talk about how good the dad is in this movie. I fucking love this dad. Yeah, I think all the parts of the movie were really hidden. She is scared and sad, and the dad goes, I can control what I can control. I know she doesn't like my beard. I'm going to shave it off. My wife is freaking out. I don't know why. I don't know if we're still married, but I'm going to finish cleaning out her mother's house. So that's one <laughs> less thing for her to worry about. Yeah. Like, it just it just, it just be hitting. What a man. Also, some great kids. Yeah, they were good. The they were they good. acted like kids. Yeah. Because I told you about... That my experience of liking the movement, I recommended it, and I'm really happy that you did get a chance to watch that. So good shit, good shit there. And San Antonio, please keep showing foreign films, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number one, I wrote about this. I doubt I have a better movie experience in 2022 than this. Immaculate. 
gonna go with everything everywhere all at once each time i saw it i was thoroughly impressed and still impressed so we we had a whole episode on it so i don't need to go in like super detail about it but i think everyone was really really good in this movie the the family performances i think it all really hit for me in a really good way and i know we both love wayman and i'm really happy that kihu kwan he's getting like his moment in the sun so um, he deserves it everyone in the film deserves it and our girl jamie Lee curtis was in the shit so so yeah she she was indeed in the shits. Yeah. Other than that, some honorable mentions. You already kind of mentioned Petit Maman. That was really good. And we kind of talked a little bit about horror with like Mad God, but I'll end with Scream or Five Cream. <laughs> I really did appreciate Barbarian. I did like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Those really, really hit for me. Barbarian is-, is also on the watch list. I actually just watched a really good video essay, not talking about the plot necessarily or like spoilers, but specifically kind of what stuff might be in it that would be upsetting. So I can kind of go in with a little bit more of a care mindset. Yeah. But also the woman who was reviewing it for this essay actually has a lot of very similar buttons to me. And she said it didn't really bother her because it was very clear that the narrative was condemning it so i'm hoping it will i think it will be fine but it's just one of those again where like the first article i read was like rape and murder baby and i was like oh Oh, no no uh (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) i'm laughing but it's not funny that's nuts like really that's yeah that's wild i would have told you no it's not it's it's not on that at all well, it it, it kind of talks about it, but it's not like like brutal in the way it would have, I guess, kind of came off. Uh, it's not brutal at all, actually. But um, but I I do hope I do hope you have a good experience watching it. So I would definitely recommend that. But also, um, like Loki, gonna be on the holiday shits for pretty much the rest of the year. So yeah, a, a horror movie during Christmas time, it's a little unless it's Black Christmas or Violent Night. There it is. Which I, I might actually pop on Black Christmas after this. In my review of Barbarian, I wrote, this is the role Justin Long was born to play. <laughs> like, he, I'm not going to spoil it, but he's really good in this movie. <laughs> I've heard really good things uh, about everyone in it. Like, it, it's got oh, to yeah. the point where I was like, well, I guess I have to. I think his performance and what he's given to do I think it stands out as pretty memorable, but no, everyone else is is really good in this movie also. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely recommend that. Something that's not a movie that I would recommend is Rothaniel, the Gerard Carmichael special that's on HBO. That was really endearing and really poignant and really sweet. I thought it was really good. And I guess the last thing I would, kind of recommend i like bones and all i i just saw bones and all last week and i thought it was fairly solid i think a lot of Mm -hmm. people like it more than i do when we kind of talk about the dynamics of like rating wise i think i'm kind of in the middle i gave it three and a half i think it's a pretty interesting watch from the lead woman character's perspective Mm -hmm. I think it is slightly flawed, but the performances 
from Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell, who plays the lead with him, I think they're acting really, really well in this movie. So uh, it may be just a VOD or when it comes on HBO Max to check it out. The same guy who directed Call Me By Your Name, which is a movie we don't watch anymore, uh, he gave us this, which I think it actually may even be better Mm-hmm. from the romance angle and it is a movie about cannibalism so and there are parts where it does get gory yeah um so that can be a little bit much for some folks but i think it's a pretty solid movie my honorable mentions are going to be the unbearable weight of massive talent which i just really like even though i don't necessarily think it's one of the best movies of the year i think it is really good and like worth remarking on and yeah. then the other two are from 2020 and 2021, but I feel they did not, they, they have blossomed more on streaming and I want to encourage that to continue. One is the HBO docuseries, The Lady in the Dale. It is about the woman who made the Dale car and she was kind of maybe a criminal and maybe a huckster and she's also a, trans- a transgender woman and it is entirely about how that cookie happened to crumble uh, and it's really, really good. It's on HBO Max. The other one, I know I've talked about it before. It's freaky. Y'all let me down on that one. Everyone said it was bad <laughs> when it came out. It's not. It's very good. Oh, yeah? And it's like maybe it's definitely in my top couple favorite Blumhouse movies ever. And I feel like it's starting to get a second life now that it's available on HBO Max. So I would really encourage people to check that one out. I also feel that it was it was featured in Halloween Horror Nights this year at Universal. And I think as a side effect of that, people reinvested in it. I guess we one more to throw out. I like The Woman King. It was cool. It was a throwback to like 90s action of don't think about the plot too hard. Just watch a lot of women just kick ass. And Viola Davis, she's kicking ass in this. So I would check that out on like a throw it on maybe you kind of dip in and out of it the plot of it is it's not necessarily thin but if you think about it you know a little bit closer it's like well are they really the heroes uh, but uh it's it's a it's a cool action flick it's a cool action flick i would say that if you've enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate us five stars leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show in Mad Love, S H O W I N M A D L O V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production.